You're listening to the Hard Hedge, UVA's only independent basketball podcast hosted by two guys, one of whom happens to be a fake coach. Fake coach. Get up out your seat, you can have my drink, let me see you dance. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Pittman and Phony Bennett. When the sun falls, the sun falls, then the moonlights, Welcome, Wahoo brethren, to another edition, a special edition, I think, of the Hard Hedge podcast. We are thrilled to have you with us this evening. I think we're all a little excited right now as well. It's been a heck of a run, uh, a a much, much better stretch of games uh, than the one leading into our last podcast. Some some truly dominating performances, uh, and it's it's. Uh, a lot of things are kind of clicking back in the direction that that we're used to seeing them, and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, Phony Bennett, how you feeling, buddy? I know you got to be riding the same high as I am right now. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly the mood can change. Six games ago, we were all a little panicked. Even after the Louisville game, I wasn't as convinced as I think a lot of the national media was that Virginia turned the corner. Uh, Pittsburgh kind of did that for me, so I'm very happy with where we are right now. We are very honored tonight to have uh, special guest John Gassaway with us. He is an ESPN insider. Uh, he is known to Who's fans as someone who favors advanced stats, so I think he was on the UVA, uh, not, not necessarily bandwagon, but he was recognizing what was happening in Charlottesville uh, well before a lot of his national brethren. You can find his Tuesday Truths column on ESPN Insider. Uh, I can say that's worth it. I've been subscribing to that for many years, uh, even before the Tony Bennett era, and, and you get some really good uh, content there. So a big hard hedge welcome to John Gasway. John, thanks for coming on tonight. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. John, let's dive right into it, um, and, and we'll keep you focused a little bit on, on Virginia here from the get-go, and we'll talk about some other national stuff as we go. But um, And what you've seen and the numbers that you've broken down, uh, you know, what has led to this recent kind of resurgence of the defense and, and, and Virginia overall? Um, you know, what can you attribute to um, this improved play we're seeing over the last six games? Uh, I get asked that question from time to time, and it's uh, surprisingly challenging, I think, because the difference is just day and night. Uh, Virginia, the past or the previous two or three years, was easier to figure, I think, because they were just so much more constant and uh, gradual any any changes that they did make but can it really have been just five games ago when this this team was winning a squeaker at, at wake forest by by one point and yeah that was a game where the demon deacons scored a, a normal number of points and uh, for any listeners out there that was a 72 71 game and uh, ever since then It's just been a defense on fire and vintage Virginia basketball where the Hoos are scoring, you know, 63 or 67 points and winning by 15 points every time. So, I mean, that's that's how that's how Tony Bennett gets it done. And it's easy for me to say, well, opponents are are missing their shots. They sure are. And they're they're missing in close, most encouragingly. They're missing their two point shots. But you know, as as Virginia fans know well, it's it's not like these shots that opponents are missing are are getting swatted away by a, a dominant shot blocker. That's that's not the case. It's just uh good 
fundamental, for lack of a better term, defense and getting opponents to take those hard two-point jumpers. Everything that we thought that Virginia would be doing from the get-go, it just uh, clicked in almost precisely halfway through the ACC season. And, you know, offense, good too. I'm sure we'll, we'll be talking about that and breaking down some individuals. But a really big story is uh, how the defense has just clicked in with, with a vengeance. It's been quite striking to watch. Yeah, you saw you said on Twitter today that I think uh, the defense has been holding jump shooters to 32% over the last few games. Was that it? That, yeah, that, or maybe just two-point shots as opposed to jump jump shots. Okay, yeah, on two, so which is pretty incredible. And I looked at that, and I was because I think you were you know speculating. Okay, why could that be? And I thought about it a lot, and I really can't figure it out. Are, are like what the what the change is? I mean, I'm not sure. You know, we've got a couple guys, Isaiah Wilkins, Evan Nolte, have been playing some really solid D the last few games, but it, certainly you can't just attribute it to those guys. Right, and the other thing is. With Virginia's rotation, you've got uh, a guy like Nolte, for example. I mean, he he can play great defense and is playing great defense. But at the when when push comes to shove, he's not on the floor for forty minutes or anything close to it. So you're you're seeing this effect across uh, different lineups, which again is is a Bennett hallmark: is that he he gets everybody to uh, buy in, for lack of a better term. He he frets about. Uh, different players and their defensive abilities, but then when Virginia's at its best, it, it really doesn't matter. His fretting is kind of <laughs> beside the point because the the lineups don't change much in terms of effectiveness. So that is what we're seeing. Uh, yeah, it, it's a small uh, group of games. We're talking about four games, uh, and you know, one of them was Boston College, but. You know, Louisville and Pitt, there's there's nothing wrong with, with those teams. And Virginia Tech famously uh, beat Virginia. So yeah. it's uh, it's it's partly the opponent, and it's partly opponents having some bad games. No, I do not expect that the other team will continue to shoot just 35% on twos. But uh, this is exactly what I did expect to see from Virginia in the preseason, and it, it has arrived. Yeah, those shot uh, shooting percentages have been really the thing that has stood out to me because if you look back through the schedule, even when Virginia was really good in going 11-1 and in the non-conference schedule against some really key opponents, those shooting percentage numbers were considerably higher, uh, even in, against teams that we should have beaten and that you know we did, and, and it seemed like we kind of dominated the game. If you go back and look at the box scores, you know teams were still getting cleaner shots than they've ever gotten against Virginia in the last few years anyways. Um, percentages were in the high 40s consistently. Uh, and to have that stretch of games where, where that shooting percentage dipped the way it, it did, that, that's what I was looking for. Like I, I was waiting to see a couple of games in a row come together where it's like, man, every one of those shots looks contested and, and looks like a um, you know, a, a, a Tony Bennett defensive stop. Um, and one other thing, guys, that I thought has, has been kind of interested, interesting with the defense over the stretch is we're, we're, turn, we're causing more turnovers than we kind of ever have. I mean, the, the Tony Bennett de- defense is, is predicated on, um, you know, just... Yeah, you're not making, going after those. Yeah, making them play against a five-man set defense and being very sound in your positioning and not gambling on steals. But w- what's happening is... Uh, some guards are getting past their initial man, help is there, and then you're seeing whoever initially got beat 
recovering so much better than they were earlier in the year, and they're getting an arm in there, they're getting a hand in there, and we're causing a lot of turnovers. Um, I think it's I think there was 15 uh, last night, like 17 the, the night before. I mean, that's not that's not Virginia style typically, but it's it's been very effective. And I think when you're replacing guys like Akeel Mitchell and Darian Atkins, and you're just not nearly as athletic um, and disruptive inside. Uh, to have those guards kind of commit to being disruptive, um, I don't know. It's it's something that I've seen that I think is helping the defense out as well. John, when you um, you know when you watch this team, it seems like to me that they've been a little bit affected on the boards when we've gone smaller with Isaiah Wilkins out there. We're not really out rebounding folks anymore, and Virginia over the last few years, you know, usually kind of dominated on the boards. Um, do you think that would play any kind of role uh, later on in the year as potentially a problem? Well, two two key points that you raised there, both very good ones. One, absolutely, Virginia is causing turnovers during this stretch. The intriguing thing is the defense or the field goal defense is is so good that it's not going to matter. <laughs> When Virginia stops uh, turning the, uh, forcing turnovers on twenty three percent of the possessions the way it has the post four games the past four games, it won't matter when the Hoos stop doing that because the defense on shots has just been so good. And I, I do expect that that t- forced turnover rate will drop because twenty three percent is is really high. Yeah. So good good catch on that. And then in terms of the the rebounding and again i know i'm I'm talking to a, a very knowledgeable fan base but just you know forgive me for for touching an important base here uh virginia's offensive rebounding is is down this season bennett is is comfortable with that historically he was known for not necessarily going after offensive rebounds that changed uh the past two seasons and it, it really provided a nice boost for the offense this season kind of a reversion to the the old style getting almost exactly one in four misses in acc play not great uh and that's the way the game itself is going that's that's the end thing is not to try for offensive rebounds and uh virginia has more than made up with that made up for that with some really uh excellent shooting so kind of a wash and a bit of a normal turnover rate and uh, as always you know good defensive rebounding again that can vary by lineup combination but over the ACC play as a whole it's very good the the trick is now uh, when you know to quote uh, syndrome in the Incredibles when everybody's good at defensive rebounding nobody is because nobody's trying for offense rebounds so right. it's a uh, it's a little bit of a paradox but you, you'll never uh, spend a lot of time worrying about how good a Tony Bennett team is on the defensive glass and by and large the the Cavaliers are getting it done in that category again this season yeah I think that was probably three or four years ago I made a joke on Twitter about uh, been at benching a guy because he got an offensive board. And right. uh, I, I think these days, yeah, people probably wouldn't get that. I mean, do you think, why do you think driving it? I mean, has somebody broken down the numbers on offensive rebounding or is, is the conventional wisdom just kind of shifting? Like, yeah, you know, we, we give up too much in transition. Right. It's, it's very much the latter because it's, it's a devilishly 
a challenging thing to prove a counterfactual that says you, you would have been doomed if you had not gotten that offensive rebound. You would have been eaten alive on transition. The fact is, any uh, season that you look at, you'll find teams that, I mean, let's just look at it through transition defense alone. You'll find teams that are really good at transition D and say, okay, let's look at them. And it's a mixed bag. Some go after offensive rebounds. Uh, some flee them with horror. But, of course, most are just normal. They're, they're neither good nor bad on the offensive class. So it really doesn't seem to be the key determinant. And the thing that I come back to is, of course, you don't want to sell out and send five guys to the offensive class. That's, that's uh, self-destructive behavior right there. But is there really a need to go to the opposite extreme? You know, we, we're all ready to concede right away. No, we don't want to sell out for offensive boards. That would be crazy. But yet, uh, lots of teams do the opposite, which is its own extreme. And why would you have five people sprint back at the release of a shot if you've got a guy down low and he's with a guy who on the other team who's obviously not going to trigger a break? You know, see what you can do. Try, right. try and get that off. Try and get the, have that one guy. You know, try and get that offensive rebound. Sure, the the guards, of course, can peel back. Uh, that that seems like a, a moderate middle stance, and uh, pretty much that's what Virginia does. They're they're at twenty five percent, as I said in conference, and where you see the really extreme, uh, no no, don't get an offensive rebound teams that in this day and age. 25% used to be rather extreme, but now it's uh, it's closer to 20 or even 18% sometimes. So Virginia is still pretty normal. It's just down compared to last season. Yeah, I'd even throw in there from a personnel standpoint that we're, we're playing a lot more of Isaiah Wilkins now at the four. Exactly. And when you have Toby and Gill at the four and five, those guys have been proven quality volume offensive rebounders. Uh, Toby can, you know, kind of bo- box out the, the big man on the floor and, and Gill can be the, you know, athletic guy that comes in and gets the ball. But when Gill's playing the five, uh, he's got to body up that, that big man. Right. And then Wilkins is out there kind of floating around a little bit. And I don't think rebounding is a strength of his game. Isaiah, uh, I think, will grow in that department and he is doing all kinds of other things to help this team win. Um, but I think Tony a little bit concedes that this might not be the per- personnel grouping to go at- aggressively after every board. Hence, you know, let's make sure we get back and, and get our defense set, which is the you know, biggest principle in this backline defense. Um, right. And, uh, and again, uh, you know, Bennett knows what he's doing. I was looking at uh, the AC season to date, just in, in preparation for, for talking to you all. And, Almost uh, exactly the same, the Virginia offense right now, as it was at the end of the ACC season last, last year. It's just arriving in, in a different way, you know, better shooting, less offensive rebounding. So, you know, it is a wash. If, if, you, make your, if you make your shots, you can afford to, uh, to give up some offensive boards, and that's exactly what... Virginia has done, as you point out rightly, it's it's partly personnel. Well, speaking of the ACC schedule, let, let's look ahead a little bit, because uh, Virginia kind of has a murderer's row heading yeah. down the stretch. I think we've got Duke, UNC, Miami, Louisville. Uh, do we have Clemson again, Mike? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 
And then uh, NC State is going to be the, <laughs> the the one where maybe we can exhale a little bit, but uh, it's it's the ACC, so we're never sure. So for, first up, of course, is Duke. Duke is getting better. I, I'm still not exactly sure who this Duke team is, and and uh, you know we're not sure when they're going to be at full health. What do you see coming out of uh, this game? Well, Duke's fine. Uh, their losses happened to come in in close proximity, but if you look at them. Compared to last year, they're right where they were at this point in the season last last year. That doesn't mean I think Duke's going to win the national championship or that they're the equal of last year's team because they had a, a special group of freshmen that they don't have this season. But at the other extreme, uh, bouncing them all the way out of the top 25 was was probably a bit much. And if they do get Jefferson back at some point, which the the only thing more inscrutable than uh, Soviet Cold War era, you know, nuclear technology is is Duke's injury status. So we you know we have no idea <laughs> when we'll when we'll see Emil Jefferson. But I rather assume that he will come back. And it's not like he's a first team All American. It's just that Duke has a really small rotation. One of their main guys is absent. And he happens to be, uh, keeping with our subject of offensive rebounding, happens to be an excellent offensive rebounder and uh, pretty good. He, he, he has become, over the course of his career, a pretty good defender in the post, too. So he's a handy guy to have around, and you add him to uh, the usual suspects, and uh, Duke can be Duke. So Virginia's catching uh, Duke during this low uh, number look we think <laughs> we don't right. know maybe maybe jefferson will pull a willis reed and he'll he'll pop up there and oh i, I can tell you uva fans are convinced that he's going to be back at full strength on, on right. saturday <laughs> yeah we're, we're not only sensitive we're a little bit paranoid <laughs> but uh if that does not happen you know then this is all in all uh, if if there could be such a thing this is a, a good moment to to play duke at cameron indoor and you know they they have lost there in in ACC play this season. It it can be done, so uh, will be fun to watch. Yeah, they're uh, you know a, a pretty poor defensive team. That number two in adjusted offense in the country, number one twenty two in adjusted defense, and it's, it's good that that to me makes it so uh, such an intriguing matchup against Virginia, who is one of the better offensive teams in the country from an efficiency standpoint. I think we're tenth or something like that. Um, so two two good offensive teams, uh, one of the best in the country in Duke, and then you know a team that obviously has gotten it together defensively, um, and and a team that has been pretty easy to score against in Duke. Uh, but you know anything can happen at Cameron. I think it's gonna be a really interesting game, and and uh, I'm very curious to see how uh, Coach K decides to match up with us. I think I think there's some matchups that Virginia can exploit. Um, I, I think we've been testing the the three point shooters better these last few games, and and if Duke's gonna beat us, I, I think that's how they're gonna do it. And I've been a lot happier with our closeouts probably the last six or seven games. I mean, it was we we've been steadily improving, and so from that respect, I like our chances. I love Brogdon on Grayson Allen. Um, you know, I think that is a bulldog defender against a guy that uh, you know Grayson isn't isn't gonna be tremendously faster or stronger than Malcolm right now. Um, I like to think that we can neutralize them uh, fairly well with Malcolm, and um, you know we'll see. That's easier said than done, and and I, this is coming from a fan, so I tend to have a a bit of a biased judgment there. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, it's it's popular to hate on Grayson Allen, and I'm right there with everyone. But he is really good. I mean, he and he's just. I mean, every game I watch, he surprises me with some kind of move. Like he doesn't look like he should be accomplishing that. So, I mean, I think it'll be a really fun game. John, what do you think about Malcolm Brogdon? Uh, you know, a guy that that he, he oddly enough, I I wouldn't say took some heat, but you know, uh, on, on this podcast, and uh, you know, there was a, a some stretch of of of. <laughs> games this season where his shot selection was a little worrisome for us and his efficiency numbers dipped accordingly then all of a sudden uh Darius Thompson hits that miracle shot and his next six games have been just absolutely remarkable and to us it's just clearly a guy that's moving better in the offense and taking better shots what have you seen out of Malcolm Brogdon this season well I see him carrying a larger load and that will entail taking more shots, which in turn will necessitate more bad shots. But I'm never an advocate of bad shots. I don't mean that. But in part, this is probably, uh, one could suggest, life after Justin Anderson. Some, somebody is going to take those shots. Uh, it, it's a good thing to have a, a performer as elite as Brogdon on hand to carry that load. And, you know, as you point out, as the season wears on, his numbers are getting better and better to the point where, yeah, he's he's a volume scorer, and still he's he's netting out now, uh, making half his twos more or less, and forty percent of his threes. I know in the era of Buddy Heald, that just sounds terrible on both fronts, <laughs> but it's it's actually quite good. You know, that's that's the funny thing. So, uh, and I, I completely understand you saying that you like a matchup where he is guarding Grayson Allen. Uh, he's, you know, by reputation and by fact, an excellent defender. Um, one thing to like in particular is that Duke gets some offense, not not all of it, but some offense from drawing fouls, and that's typically not an issue for Virginia. They won't necessarily uh, lose a lot of points that way. The only, uh, the only asterisk I'd, I'd put by this discussion is that you know duke's defense bad on paper and part of the reason it's well not bad but uh thoroughly mediocre part of the reason it is is uh that they get killed on their defensive glass can you really take advantage of that when you're not trying so much for offensive boards uh and that's an honest question mark i'm putting there sometimes sometimes you can but that's that's basically the philosophical uh, problem or hesitance that I have about just a blanket ban on offensive boards is what happens when you play a team that's not very good on the defensive glass? Do you say we don't care and we're not going to try about that? That, that seems uh, that seems like a, an issue there. So that's definitely one thing that I'll be watching. With I, you, Duke, you, Virginia. You don't know what Tony's going to pull out this year. He he uh, ran a zone uh, earlier this year, so right? I mean it, yeah. everything's on the table at this point. If that can happen, then, you know, I, I don't know what cannot happen. That was, uh, I, I had to, I had to sit down. I was so. <laughs> right. Yeah. Twitter was yeah. a mess. Everyone's asking each other, wait, was, was that actually a zone? No, that wasn't a zone. That was some kind of fancy man. No. Exactly. Exactly. Matchup zone, sugar zone. Yeah. You know, he, he tried it out of desperation and three out of the four possessions they used it, we got stopped. So, hey, just, just call him a genius. Uh, that's all you can. <laughs> 
That's all you can really say to that. Um, See, and then on synergy, that goes down as yeah, seventy-five percent effect. You know, incredible point per possession because it was four possessions. So, right. yeah, yep. absolutely. <laughs> yep. So let's talk about John. But before we have to let you go, um, tell me where you think, like, address the Virginia fans. Where do you think this team is right now in relation to being a national contender? This entire season was kind of built for this team to have a better run in March. Tony Bennett has said it. Uh, you know, they, they did that very difficult non-conference schedule to season these guys. He's played a lot of depth uh, throughout the entire season to rest as many legs as he can and keep guys healthy because the plan is to have our best guys available at in March, very heavily seasoned against good opponents. Is all of this for naught, or does this team have a legitimate chance um, based on the competition that you've analyzed very closely to contend for something special in March? Well, for all of the fretting and all of the heartache before the last four games, look at Virginia now, not only in the ACC race, but equally importantly for this postseason that you refer to in the mocks that everybody is looking at, including yours truly, Virginia's right where they were last year, you know, right on the line between a, a one and a two seed. Now, as you point out correctly, the closing stretch here of the ACC season is uh, robust, challenging, brutal, uh, crazy. All of these words apply. So I think there's going to be a loss or two. I don't, I don't see that as a problem. And I, I do see Virginia as getting an excellent seed, a, a very high seed. I, I don't suppose that this Cavalier team is particularly a juggernaut compared to its its predecessors. I, I think we, we see a lot of the, the same virtues. But the thing I keep coming back to in 2016, is, and Virginia is as good an example as any, who are you really going to be afraid of on Selection Sunday when the bracket comes out? It's a very unusual year, I think, in that respect. If I'm a Virginia fan and I'm watching the brackets be revealed, there just isn't that team that is getting, let's say, for example, Virginia's a two-seed. There's just not that team this season where they're announced in my bracket as a one and I've got that dread, uh, you know, obvious jokes about Michigan State. Right. right. <laughs> Notwithstanding. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I see where you guys are going, but yeah. <laughs> stay with me. Uh, you know, if you had been announced last year and you saw Kentucky in your bracket or possibly even Wisconsin, you could legitimately say, oh, man, that, that is, that is going to be tough. But who, who do you fear? You know, Oklahoma, great team. You know, Buddy Heal having a season for the ages. Villanova, uh, Iowa, who who do you really fear as a one seed? Well, we've already and, beaten Villanova, so. Yeah, well, there you go. And <laughs> the paradox of a season like this one is that, you know, you can be thinking, not specific to Virginia, but you can be thinking as a fan about your Team X. Boy, next year we're going to get, you know, a hot freshman guy and all these people are coming back and we're going to be better. And it's actually worse for your team because the competition is going to be much better next season. Uh, there's just a lot of opportunity in the bracket in March 2016. And if I had a team as, as good as Virginia to pull for, I would be really, really excited. Yeah, there's not a lot of teams right now that 
I, I'm I'm afraid of. I mean, I, any team could win on any day. You know, Oklahoma was one of them. UNC, I thought they were they were scary. Now I'm I'm just I, I'm not sure they've they've started to show some cracks. Uh, obviously, Villanova, we know we're good. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited. Michigan State, and, and I hate to say, it, Michigan State is the one I least want to see, uh, just because I I don't know if our guys can get their heads straight for that game. So the Spartans, the Spartans are on fire uh, lately. I know they lost in overtime to Purdue, but basically just on a tear on offense. And uh, you know, Tom Izzo doesn't want to come out and say it, but that that is a very perimeter-oriented team, and a good thing too because they're outstanding at, at shooting threes. So you'll never get Izzo to admit it, but that's exactly what's happening, and it's it's working. So I can understand the trepidation there even irrespective of history uh it's it's a good team this year well i'd love to have another shot at him <laughs> there you go that's a I want rede- i'll take the other way i want redemption man keep there putting them go. in our bracket all right guys well uh we'll definitely uh let you go john i think we kept you a little bit longer than we promised but let me tell you i uh greatly appreciated that i i could talk college basketball with you for another six hours or so if uh <laughs> you'll do it too yeah, uh, but we really appreciate you having uh, coming on the program. That was some really good information, and we just really appreciate you taking the time to do it tonight. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Glad to do it anytime. John, you're a good man. Thank you very much. That was John Gasway, ladies and gentlemen, and let me tell you, that's a guy that is just immersed in college basketball all day and night, uh, which makes me extremely jealous, um, but just fantastic stuff from John. And uh, Phony, anything else before we sign off here? No, I think I think this is a really neat time because we're watching the season come together. I hate to compare these guys to any other team, but it does kind of have a Michigan State feel to it. With with we challenged ourselves early, we we had some struggles, but we're putting it together as we come to the close of the season. And, and I truly think that come March, we're going to be playing our best basketball. So uh, kudos to Tony Bennett for what he's done so far, and and let's enjoy the ride. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. And next week, uh, we will get our regular panel back on to kind of discuss some of the improvements that have happened since we last recorded with everybody. And then we got a couple special guests we're looking to line up as well. So uh, plenty more coming from the hard hedge. We really appreciate you guys being with us tonight. We hope you enjoyed the show. And as always, wahoo wah.